Welcome back to the Creator's Pearl. This is our Sunday conversation for April 25th, 2021. Last podcast we talked about in Luke chapter 9, we talked about the uh, disciples were unable to cast the devil out of the child that caused epilepsy. And Jesus pretty much rebuked them and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. And we talked about that. They said, why couldn't we cast the Spirit out? And Jesus was, was referring to their faith. This, this kind of faith that's required only comes forth through prayer and fasting. He wasn't talking about this kind of devil comes out only by prayer and fasting. He's talking about the faith that it only takes a mustard seed to do the works of God. He was telling his disciples, you need this kind of faith to overcome and to do the works of God. And that's what he was preparing them to receive after he died, was resurrected, and ascended, and sent the Spirit. So, where are we at, honey? Luke 9, we're going to read 41, but before that what had happened was um, the disciples had to try to deliver a only son that was taken by demons, and they couldn't do it. And so the man came to Jesus and said, please, he's my only child, and your disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus replied, O faithless ones, unbelieving and without trust in God, a perverse, wayward, crooked, and warped generation, until when and how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here to me. And even while he was coming, the demon threw him down and completely convulsed him. But Jesus censored and severely rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and restored him to his father. And all were astounded at the evidence of God's mighty power and his majesty and magnificence. But while they were all marveling at everything Jesus was doing, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men whose conduct is opposed to God. But they didn't comprehend because God had let it be hidden from them that they should understand. And they were afraid to ask about the statement. So that's what was kind of going on there. The hands of men in Luke uh, 9.44, I think he was referring to the works of men. Mm. And I am the Son of Man is going to be delivered into to face their tradition. Their tradition is what was the biggest enemy to Jesus. His kingdom coming and the, the true kingdom of God coming. The biggest enemy, or the number one enemy, was the tradition of the temple. Yeah. And those hands of men, they were the faithless and perverse. And I think last time we said perverse has to do with idolatry. It's another way to get to heaven. It's another way to make access to God, which is, it's, it's idolatry if it's not through Jesus. Whatever you call it. It, it is another wrong way. <coughs> and the tradition was, it was mechanical. It was just going through the motions of what they'd been taught by the previous generation who had been taught by the previous generation. And they just kept passing it down. Well, it became a mechanical operation. And they were just making cookie-cutter leaders, religious leaders. They were just cookie-cutter. They were just patterned one after the other. And it wasn't from the heart. And it wasn't having anything to do with relationship to God. They There was... I mean, there was the indoctrination with truthful information, but the power of God had been removed. 
Yeah. And Jesus came to restore that that power to um, overcome whatever's hindering access to God. Yes, and not just to restore, but to fulfill. It wasn't fulfilled yet. No, nothing could be done to the fulfillment until right. Jesus came and did what he did. And we'll read later that when he sets his <coughs> face to go to Jerusalem, he's getting ready to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. In 47, they are all talking about who's the greatest, surpassing other in excellence, worth, and authority. And Jesus perceived in their hearts what they were thinking. And so he took a little child and set it beside him. And he said, whoever receives and accepts and welcomes this child in my name and my sake receives and accepts and welcomes me. And whoever so receives me also receives him who sent me. For he who is least and lowliest among you all, he is the one who is truly great. And so he's given them an example of how they are going to be able to have the power of the kingdom to set people free from demons, to do the call that Jesus is leaving them on the earth. You have to be like a little child. So what some of the things a little child is like, they want to be with their parents all the time. They don't know how to take care of themselves without their parents. They don't know how to work to get food. They don't, they, they need their family to feed them, to teach them. So they're, a child is someone that is in need, direction, teaching, love, nurturing. What else would a child that show? A child would have great, how do I say it, um, would look up to in honor. Yeah. Like a son with a dad. Yeah. Think the world of his dad. And that's what Jesus mm, did to his father. Mm-hmm. Everything was for the father. And that's what a little child is Yeah. In, to a, a parent. When the disciples ask who's going to be the greatest... That was the number one religious force Jesus was going to destroy mm-hmm. on the cross. Mm-hmm. Because what, what was wrong with the hands of men, they did their religious works to honor themselves. Yeah. And Jesus destroyed that on the cross. When he set his face to Jerusalem, he said, he was saying, I'm going to go destroy this Antichrist spirit. Yeah. And that's the, the disciples, that was, that's the fallen state. Because when you, you're raised in this world, it's, there's competition. Yeah. And it's seeking honor. It's honor seeking. Well, in the kingdom of God, that's not there. Yeah. It's removed. And anybody that says they're in the kingdom of God or, or says they're a believer, but they're steeped in honoring themselves, their witness is a lie, the scriptures say. Yeah. It's a lie. And we'll read about that in First John later on. So he's just kind of teaching them the way it's going to be. And if you want to be in this, this is what it's going to look like. So 49, John said, Master, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we commanded him to stop it for he does not follow along with us. But Jesus told him, do not forbid such people for whoever is not against you is for you. Now, when the time was almost come for Jesus to be received up to heaven, he steadfastly and determinedly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He is saying, well, actually, the disciple, I feel like, was saying, hey, he's not with us. He's not in our group. He's not doing it our way. And so they don't have a right to do it. And Jesus is like, don't you dare take a hold of what I may be doing with somebody else, somewhere else. You're not all it. You know, I'm going to go out through all the earth to whoever's heart is ready and is doing my will. So he's just kind of breaking that again. Well, that's that little that comp- formulation they had. That's that competition. Yeah. They had that ingrained in them. He <clears> said, that's not our kingdom. Yeah. And it, they probably publicly rebuked those people that said they were they were working on behalf of Jesus. And it came in his name. They rebuked him. Well, 
you know, if you're really with Jesus and you go rebuke somebody else in that manner, you're really seeking honor for yourself and doing it publicly. Yeah. You're pointing, you're, you're making, you're making it known to everybody how you feel. Yeah. And if you do it in that spirit, there's a, there's a hidden seeking of honor for yourself in that. And I think that Jesus was telling them, that's not the way we do things. Yeah. So he, in 52, sent messengers before him, and they reached and entered a Sumerian village to make things ready for him. But the people would not welcome or receive or accept him because his face was set as if he was going to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, observed this, they said, Lord, do you wish us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked and severely censored them. He said, you do not know of what sort of spirit you are, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them from the penalty of eternal death. And they journeyed on to another village. So they were like, this is what we got to do. We got to. And Jesus' whole heart, God's whole heart is that all should be saved. His heart, when he brings judgment and correction, it's only to the amount that that person needs to change. He doesn't want to completely wipe them out. He wants to do it in such a way that they can choose to repent and say, I want it. I need it like that little child. And so. Well, when he he was setting up his kingdom, it was going to contrast the world. And if people were just free to see the contrast. Yeah. And he came to redeem. Yes. And they didn't want to redeem <coughs> them. They wanted to make an example of them. Well, again, that's that. We're the good guys. You're the bad yeah. guys. We're yeah. right. You're wrong. And we're going to show you. Well, yeah. Jesus said, you're, well, he didn't say it, but he's what he's pointing out to him between the lines. He said, you're seeking honor for yourself. That's what you're, that's yeah. a spirit you're operating out of, the Antichrist spirit. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. So he's training his disciples this whole time. Get ready. And, you know, they're not fully getting it right then, but they will. After he leaves, they start coming into remembrance and the scales are wiped off their eyes and they're starting to see, oh, my word, this is what he was teaching us all along. You know, when John and Paul referred to themselves in the scriptures, they didn't they did it in third person. Mm. They didn't want you to know it was them that had yeah. that it happened to. Yeah. Because there was no way they wanted honor for mm-hmm. themselves. They didn't want to be a thief to God to steal honor and glory is what they were operating. Yeah. They knew that's not acceptable in God's kingdom and it would have damaged their relationship with God. And this happens today. I'm Baptist. I'm Assembly of God. I'm denominational. I'm non-denominational. We have the same spirit. I know this because I worked with people that were friends that were in different churches, and we all fought this. Well, they're this, and they're that, and we all had the same goal. We wanted people saved. We wanted to live for God, but that popped up. I know. I had to fight it and cast it down that I'm not better than them because I go to a non-denominational church, and I know they fought it too. (laughs) Yeah, and that's something we'll all have to deal with because it's the Antichrist spirit. Mm -hmm. We think of Antichrist as this dark figure in Europe that's going to arise and there's going to be somebody arise, but our problem, our issue is going to be at home. Yes. Who is going to be the dece- the deceivable ones? Who's going to be deceived? Who's going to be the deceivers that operate in the spirit yeah. that say they're Christian? Because the Antichrist will say he's a Christian. Yeah. And even do miracles. Yeah. And it says in in John First John 4, it says, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe yeah. what you're told. Yeah. When somebody says something, do not take it to heart. Yeah. Test the spirits with the Spirit of the Lord, to know, are they honoring themselves when they talk? 
Are they trying to get you to honor them? Are they trying to get an exchange of honor between you and me? That's not God. That's not the kingdom of God. And if you turn on Christian television, that's all it is. Yeah. It's honoring man. Everything. Yeah, they'll spend. There may have be a guest man. that you want to actually really hear. And it'll be a 30-minute segment. And they spend like 20 minutes of it. They've done this. We've done that. This, this. Get to the point. Get to oh, the heart. You just such, can't even he listen to it. such a powerful testimony. I'm like, ah, oh, this is so nasty. I mean, I mean anyway. <laughs> maybe he does, but give God the glory. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've just spent $15 billion for 20 minutes of pumping each other up, and you missed the whole heart of the... <laughs> we didn't even get to hear... Yeah. When, he, when he told the Pharisees, and he, or he was telling the people, teaching the Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees, they have their reward mm, because they, yeah. they want honor for themselves. Well, they got it. And we'll see where it gets them in the end. Yeah. Nothing. So in 57, it occurred that as they were going along the road, a man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. So this is key. And Jesus said to him, foxes have lurking holes and the birds of the air have roost and nest, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And he's saying, you're saying you want to follow me. You're saying you want into this thing that, you know, God is going to do on the earth, but... You will never be at total peace. We as Christians, this earth will never truly be at rest because the forces of darkness are against what God wants to do. And so it's not going to be comfortable. We're going to have moments of joy, peace, hope, and comfort. But for the most part, pretty much can you drink this cup? You say this, but this is what's going to happen. And so then it says, he said to another man, become my disciple, side with my party and accompany me. But he replied, Lord, permit me first to go and bury or await the death of my father. So these are two different people. One came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. And that was Jesus response. And then this one, Jesus himself said, become, he called him, become, come now, side with me. And he said, oh, wait. And so there's a generational Thing that guy did not want to give up yet. Oh, let me go. And when my d- dad dies, then I'll come and follow you. And this is all talking about when Jesus's presence comes now, don't miss it. Hold it precious. Do whatever he says right then. He knew if he went back he to his generations, those generations, he won't, he won't go. And we have to do that every day in our walk. Leave our generational forces that are against God. And those those generational <coughs> forces are the exact thing that leads us to honor ourselves mm. in our works, in our witness, in our testimonies, whatever. It will make it's what makes us religious because a religious person wants a reward now, wants yeah. to get the reward of getting honor from men. And Jesus was bringing his kingdom and making disciples that had no part of that. You know, to to want Jesus to, you know, put the opportunity off. Well, that that's saying no. That that's gambling with your eternal destiny. To kick the can down the road and say, well, you know, when I'm ready, I'll do that. I'll yeah. make that decision. I'll make that that full commitment. Yeah. I know I need to make that full commitment. I need to make that full surrender. Well, that's no surrender. That's no commitment. Yeah. That's no. God doesn't go. Oh well, put them over here. We'll table them. Yeah. And, no, it's just going your own way. And the best thing to happen is more judgment. If God sent more judgment to uh, foster maybe you surrendering, that's good. Yeah. So verse 60, but Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. 
But as for you, go and publish abroad throughout all regions the kingdom of God. So God called him and was commissioning him right then to do this great thing. And he said, let the dead bury their dead. He was saying, if you go back to your generations now, you are dead because my presence isn't there. It was here and now and you were to go forward. And so he said, you'll be dead and you'll bury your dead. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, and become your disciple and side with you, with your party. But let me first say goodbye to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. And that made me think of, was it Elisha or Elijah who was called? He was the least of his 12 brothers. He was at the 12th spot on the yoke in the field. And when God called him, because I think it was Elisha put the mantle on Elijah or whatever, whichever. And he, you know what he did? He went and he burned the yoke and the instruments that he was in labor with. He burned them so that he wouldn't be able to go back to that old labor. He knew now is the time. And if I don't burn these bridges, if I don't make a way for my flesh to wait, he knew. And he was ready. I don't know what he was praying and talking behind that yoke in that field. He was asking. He was ready. And God said now. And he didn't look back. That's the people he's looking for. He was seeking and meditating and ready to go. Well, Jesus in the passage where he says, I bring a sword. I come to divide families. Mm. I mean, dividing the very closest, tightest, strongest relationships that mankind has. So I'm coming to divide those because they weren't wanting to go back and honor legacies in their families. And you have to make a choice. Are you going to honor your commitment to God and honor God? in the first place, in the first position, or fall back and honor your families and then try to mix God into it. Just just put a little yeah. mixture in there and do both. And the Lord's kingdom, that's not allowed. And right. he, he says so. And if his word says so, that's it. But God created those deep ties and the, that beautiful family relationship. He did. He created it, but he knew that that's so strong and so powerful that that would be the one thing if you love and want those more than you want whatever I tell you to do or however I want to use you you're in trouble and there's people in those in those families maybe that father or that person if the one that was with Jesus had the opportunity you know they're showing a disciple has to change yeah there has to be a spiritual renewal yeah. a born-again process and for changing those family people, <coughs> they're uncomfortable. Yeah. And they're going to try to pull them back. We want the old. We want the old you yeah. back. We want that person back. You're not. You're you're talking out of your head. You need yeah. balance. I've heard that before. Yeah. You, you just need balance. You need fifty percent of the world, fifty percent of God. And those people are the ones that will are the road to hell because that's where they're going. They don't want to commit to God. Or they would want to see their children be the vessel God wants because a lot of times when we're created for one instrument one vessel we're you know and then our children it may take them they're in the military and we didn't want them to be because that you know we can make them not walk in their walk or we can be in great joy or we can try to force them into something 
that their <coughs> heart's not ready to receive. Yeah. And that's a bad Ooh, thing, that's too. That's true, yeah. Because we could try to force Jesus on them, force, make them make a decision yep. like the that's evangelism we, we grew up in. And I call that a crusader force. You know, we just want to go in and just save the world, save everybody. Well, it's a heart issue between that person and the creator. It's not, we, we're not the go-between. We're, we're not Jesus. Yeah. So in chapter 10 of Luke, it's talking about how Jesus chose and appointed <coughs> 70s others and sent them out ahead two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to come visit. Okay, this is a picture of what's going on now. He is calling us. He's choosing us. He's preparing us. He's taught us through the word. He wants to teach us through everyday walk now. And this is us now. We go out before and we get to be a vessel to connect with people and to intercede for whatever he tells us. Pull down principalities. Release, you know, whatever he says. And he's, we're, we're doing this now. We're called to do that now. This is an exciting amazing thing and you got anything to say on that well when you said connect that's where we got to be careful yeah because i had the note on that here well in in connecting with someone uh i experienced the other day a guy came in to my business and he wanted to start talking about jesus and he he could cut to the chase and he started telling about well i got saved and i was a drug dealer and i knew i had to turn my life around and he was concerned about his family, that people in his family needed to receive Jesus, and that he alluded to him that he's working on him. And that's where you have to be careful, because that crusader force can arise, which is part of the Antichrist spirit, trying to make converts another way. Mm. And there was just a lot of, there was almost like, he, he wasn't real forceful, but he was using almost like he was driving the conversation with questions and there was almost and that's what that crusader force it'll start an interrogation a concerned or kind interrogation and what and then next thing you know you're you're having to give an account to them and what that really is is a demonic throne when when you're put on the spot by somebody who's representing jesus quote unquote but but you're put on the spot and you're, you're you feel obligated. You feel this obligation. Well, I don't want to. You know, I got to say the right thing, or or I gotta I gotta prove myself. Mm-hmm. I got I gotta prove myself that I'm I'm with Jesus or whatever. You feel that? Well, there, that's a demonic throne. It's religion. Yeah, that spirit of religion. And that that's that's the antichrist spirit that yeah. is pervasive in the American church. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere, and it's they're even trying to bring it into to uh, secular culture. They're trying to bring that Jesus in there, and they're trying to make their points. Well, I, I believe this, or I believe that, and it, it just it's just a force. It doesn't bear fruit. Yeah. All it does is bring honor, or it tries to bring honor to the person that that's <coughs> speaking, that's giving witness yeah. in that. Yeah. So, chapter 10, verse... Two, Jesus said to them, The harvest is indeed abundant. There is much ripe grain, but the farmlands are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, provision, sandals. Refrain from retarding your journey by saluting and wishing anyone well along the way. That's that honor of man yes. right there. And so if God is calling you to go to a certain place and you're on a path in him... He says, be careful because you'll retard your journey by fellowshipping and, 
you know, doing things he's not calling you to do or trying to make his spirit known or um, whatever when he's not really there. He's sending you out further, but you stopped along the way doing this, that and all this other. He's just giving a heed and a warning. Verse five, he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this household. Freedom for all the distresses that result from sin be with this family. And if anyone worthy of peace and blessedness is there, the peace and blessedness you wish shall come upon him. But if not, it shall come back to you. So he's saying, stay in that own house, eat and drink what they provide because the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so he says, whenever you go into town and they receive and accept and welcome you, eat what's set before you. Heal the sick and and say to them, the kingdom of God has come close to you. This is said several times throughout the next passages. Um, He's come near. He's come close. But whatever you do, go into a town and they do not receive and accept and welcome you. Go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we are wiping off against you. Yet no one understand this. The kingdom of God has come near you. So God has come here. You rejected it. And we are shaking that dust off our feet. We have to do that many times when we're relating to people. And they put their crap on us, even if it's good people trying to just get us to visit their church. We've had that. We want They just can't stand that we aren't in a church, that we're just studying and worshiping at home on our own right now. I've had so much pressure of, that's not right. I've been told flat <coughs> out by somebody, they asked me, where are you going to church? Like that interrogation thing. Yeah. I said, I'm not going anywhere. We're having church at home. Yeah. Well, that's not right. Right. Just the first thing out of the mouth. And yeah. I said, ma'am, what's not right about it? She couldn't answer me. Right. She just clammed up and said, yeah, she was like, and she caught herself. It's like, yeah. how's that not right? You can worship God anywhere. Yeah. And oh, about the dust on their feet. Mm-hmm. That represents in that culture that when you went into somebody's house, what are they supposed to do? Oh, yeah. Wash your feet. Yes. They wouldn't receive them in their house. They wouldn't yes. wash your feet. Like they were probably religious. You're unclean. You need to receive us. Yeah. Because the lowliest we are. servants were the ones that had that job. So they were like too high and mighty yeah. to stoop down and say, oh, my gosh, these people have the presence of God and the anointing. And we're going to get to fellowship with them. No, they didn't come in the package they wanted to come in. It wasn't their agenda. Well, so they rejected them. You don't have anything to give me. You know, what, do you, yeah. what can you do for me? Yeah. And if they won't wash your feet, you just walk out, yeah. kick the dust off and say, as a testimony, yes. this is what they did. They rejected yeah. the kingdom of peace. Yeah. And so God. that's going to happen as we're walking and talking and just living life and trying to hold the standard and the vessel um, as precious, then we're going to come against that. And it's just like, don't try to fight them. Don't try to prove them wrong. Just just let them go. And they're in darkness. Yeah. Because like Jesus said, the, you know, they'll, they'll kill you and they'll think they're doing God's work Yeah. because they have that competitive force in them and they're, they're defensive for the religion they were brought up in. What they were raised in, they're, they're, they have to defend that. They have so much equity yeah. in that. They want to defend and maintain that. Yeah. And then it, you can keep reading. But if you go down to Luke ten, twenty-five, a certain lawyer arose to try to test and tempt Jesus, saying, Teacher, what am, you know, he said teacher. He didn't call him God or the Christ. Teacher, what am I to do to inherit an everlasting life? That is to partake of eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live, enjoy, active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. 
And he determined to acquit himself of reproach, approach, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's still trying to get him. Jesus, taking him up, replied, a certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him of all his clothes and belongings and beat him and went their way unconcernedly, leaving him half dead as it happened. Now, by coincidence, a servant's, a certain priest was going down along that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. A Levite likewise came down to the place and saw him and passed on the other side of the road. So these are both religious people. People you would think would say, oh my goodness, let me stop and pour out to this person in need and help him. Nope, they didn't have time for it. They just passed on. But a certain Samaritan who, as he traveled along, came to down to where he was and he saw him and he was moved with pity and sympathy for him. So a Samaritan were hate Jews and Samaritans hated each other. The Samaritans were considered like half Jews. So the Jews thought they were just trash and dirt and unclean. Well, look who stopped and was moved with the spirit of God for this man. Didn't care who the man was, what he did to get in that position. And so he went to him and dressed his wounds, pouring on them oil and wine. And that represents the um, anointing and the revelation in the end time. I think that's significant. Do you got anything on that? Well, it just proved the Samaritan wanted to see him redeemed. Yes. He wanted to bring him back. Because yes. the Samaritan could be like, well, if I was in that position, I'd want somebody to do this for me. Yeah. And the, the priest, the certain priest and the Levi that passed before the Samaritan, they were so full of the desire to honor themselves. They didn't want to be unclean, touch an unclean thing. And they, they worship their own image. Mm. Well, that's what the Antichrist spirit does. Yeah. Worship their own image. That's the honor for self. Seeking honor that is in the flesh. That's what that is. So Luke ten thirty five, And the next day he took out two denarii, two days wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I myself will repay you when I return. That so, to me, is a picture of God sending down Jesus <laughs> and saying, you know, take care of him, and I will repay you. I will reward you, just like the, the businessman that went away and left or the talents that were given. There's so many parables about this very thing. Here's what I'm giving you. What are you going to do with it? But you will get a reward when I return. What are we doing on this earth right now? Building the kingdom of God. And those that are busy with their own image and honoring themselves, how, how likely are they to show mercy? If it's gonna, if it's gonna cost them, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're they're not. They're gonna think, well, that's somebody else's job. Yeah, I I have a reputation to keep here. You know, I've have so much built up in who I am. So, and then, so thirty seven, he answered, the one who showed pity and mercy on him was the neighbor. Is what the answer was from the lawyer. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. That's kind of all I had on that. Um, the next, you notice he said, go and do. Don't yes. go and teach. Don't yes, go and teach that. That's good. Don't, don't go teach that story. Yeah. Go do it. Go, you don't have to tell everybody you what don't you tell did. Everybody. Just you don't do have it. to stand up <coughs> and be a great orator. Mm -hmm. So everybody oohs and awes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was such a great message. No. Go practice it yeah. in meekness, in the spirit of meekness. And that's what the those that honor themselves, they're not meek. Yeah. They don't even think about it. Yeah. I guess to paraphrase the end of that, it was 
there was a sister Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with too much serving. And she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. So there it is that summarized the whole thing we just did. Mary recognized Jesus was pouring out from the heaven. The wells of heaven had poured out and she sat down. She stopped everything she was doing and sat at his feet to not miss it. Martha was so in law and so into we got to serve all these people and make you know and she just she missed it she missed it and was even like Mary's lazy Mary's not doing it how and when I want her to and Jesus just called her out competition yeah and so everything's about the kingdom of God is at hand I don't know where that scripture is but the kingdom of God has come near the kingdom of God has come close that's in a lot of places in more in this Luke where we is read hand yeah, yeah, that's all I had on the scriptures. Let's go to First John. First John 2. I think I said verse 12. We'll start. If you want to go ahead and... First John 2, 12. Yeah. I am writing to you, little children, because for his name's sake, your sins are forgiven, pardoned through his name, and on the account, confessing his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know, recognize, be aware, and understand him who has existed from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have been victorious over the wicked one. I write to you, boys, lads, because you have come to know, recognize, and be aware of the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have come to know, recognize, be conscious of, and understand him who has existed from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and vigorous, and the word of God is always abiding in you, in your hearts, and you have been victorious over the wicked one to me that's showing all the levels and all the stages that we are in this journey sometimes we're babies we grow up to be a teenager we grow up to be a son but every season that we go into God will take us into new seasons and we're back down to a little baby and then we grow in that season and then bam he's going to say you're going to become like I don't even know what to do again and that's he's speaking to every level if you'll stay in this journey and in this process on down he's going to talk about how to stay in that journey what it takes mm. what what it takes to <coughs> overcome and overcome the wicked one and abide in god and abide in the word do you want me to keep reading yeah you can read 15 15 do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world if anyone loves the world love for the father is not in him and, okay and that love of the world that love the so that's the love of self mm. honoring yourself Mm-hmm. And that's what he told before that he told the little children and the young men and um, those levels you were talking about. He's saying, you know this. Mm. You've been shown this. Yeah. You've been shown the way of the kingdom. Hold it precious. Yes. Keep going. Keep going. Yep. And it's it's not a one off instance where, OK, we're good until the end. No, we have to be faithful in this journey and stay on the path. Yep. You can go ahead. 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the father, but are of the world itself. 
and the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in life abides and remains forever. And that, that the lust, if you really want to look at that, what lust is, is that you're desiring to bring to yourself things that will make you feel good about yourself and increase yourself in honor and all that and the pleasure at someone else's expense mm. it damages them yeah it, it doesn't increase the other person it decreases them to increase you mm. that's lust that's yeah. what lust does it just it just comes to kill steal and destroy yeah and it's not it's not the kingdom of god that just increases I mean, it just increases exponentially, and it doesn't deplete somewhere else, something somewhere else to mm. do it. Yeah. But that's what Satan's kingdom does. It destroys to increase itself. Yes, and lust is also in our everyday life with, like, food or entertainment. We feed, like, we emotionally eat instead of praying, and we're trying to numb and um, give energy so we can keep going because we're bothered by something. So we get that rush from food or that. And Escape. really, yeah, we need to be praying. I'm preaching to myself here. We need to be praying. It's a sign of praying or seeking. So it lust isn't just some like sexual thing. It's uh, anything that fulfills a place that God wants to fulfill. And it calls the lust of the flesh. Well, like when they were wanting to cast that demon out of that child, he said... The faith you need only comes out by doing what destroys the lust of the flesh, yeah. prayer and fasting. You just said prayer. Yeah. That's what that does. It destroys that that power and force that's in the flesh Yeah. to do the works of God. Do you want me to read 18? Yeah. Boys, lads, it is the last time, our the end of this age, and as you have heard that the Antichrist, he who will oppose Christ in the guise of Christ, is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have arisen, which confirms our belief that it is the final, the end time. So it's not that, like you said, Europe, one person, which will happen. The Antichrist spirit, there's many of them it's everywhere. It's the false church yeah. that is here. Already here. It's here, and it's um, it will be the enemy of Christ coming. Yeah. It's, in, in fact, it says even that even may, maybe the elect could be deceived. Mm-hmm. Well, That's scary. It's because the most effective counterfeit is what the one that looks most like the real thing. Yeah. And you have to have, you have to have the seven eyes of God to know what's real and what's not. And when somebody speaks, when somebody says something, are you doing it out of self honor? Are you honoring the Father? Yeah. Which Jesus said, I yeah. only honor the Father. Period. Yeah. Isaiah 11, too, is where the seven eyes are. If you want to read that and what those are, we have to have that to make it to the end. Um, anything that opposes God is an antichrist spirit. If you feel that you are on a path and there are certain things you are supposed to do, and somebody, which I've had it in my own family, was like, that is not God. But I really felt it was God and I was supposed to do it. Even if I was wrong and I was off a little bit. If that person is trying to religiously get me to not go there or be with certain people or do things a certain way. But I felt it was out of my prayer closet I was supposed to. That's an antichrist spirit. And even if I'm wrong, they're forcing and putting all this pressure out to keep me from my path in the Lord. 
and we can do it to others. We can think that is not God. They're thinking it is, but it's not. It's going to be bad. Well, well let them go. Pray, pray for yeah. them. Maybe them falling is going to cause them to cry out and hear truth. And we cannot control each other. In trying to inter- interfere or intercede or, you know, come into a situation, we could be trespassing. Yes, that's against trespassing. God's will. Yeah. Because part of God's will is for them to be free to make their yes. own choice. Because he doesn't do that to us. Right. He gives us the opportunity. He issues invitations all the time. Thank you, God, for your labor that you don't just give us one chance and we're done. He labors over us. And that other person, you know, if we're concerned for him and we we see their, we perceive in ourselves, oh, they're not right. I need to yeah. do something. I need to say something. Well, we need to give them the same opportunity God gave us yes. to relate to him. Yes. They're not to relate to us and just live on our advice. Right. We we can give advice if we hear the spirit, if we hear God and say, Hey, I can I can help confirm something or I can bring a word of reproof, but I can't bring a word of control. Is yeah. what I can't bring. what I'm not allowed to bring in God's will. Yeah. If I'm bringing control, then hello why not Christ spirit. Yeah. So where do you want to read now? You want to keep going? Keep going, yeah. So 19, they went out from our number, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they withdrew that it might be plain that they are not all of us. But you have been anointed by you. Hold a sacred appointment from. You have been given an unction from the Holy One. And you all know the truth or you know all things. I write to you not because you are ignorant and do not perceive and know the truth, but because you do perceive and know it and know positively that nothing false, no deception, no lie is of the truth. Who is such a liar as he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah? He is the Antichrist, antagonist of Christ, who habitually denies and refuses to acknowledge the Father and the Son. No one who habitually denies, disowns the Son, even has the Father. Whoever confesses, acknowledge, and has the Son has the Father also. As for you, keep in your hearts what you have been heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the first dwells and remains in you, then you will dwell in the Son and in the Father always. And that's that that unction is that seed of Jesus. When we're born again, we receive the teacher. We receive the living word of God by faith. It's beyond just the scriptures as far as knowing them intellectually. It's having them come into the heart. And God's in it. It's not. A, it's not a religious doctrine. It's actually living word yeah. that each member of the body of Christ. It's intended for them. That's how they're going to relate to God. Yeah. Because He says you're going to know yourself. You won't need yes. to be told or taught yes. what's God and what's not. Because you are going to receive that through the Spirit yourself. You're going to receive the revelation with that those seven eyes yeah. with you're going to identify you're going to be able to see and divide out the what's christ and what's antichrist yeah and separate them and not be deceived yeah but that has to happen you know as far as uh, the unction let me find my note here so the question is why is having the unction of christ or the anointing within the believer why is it a necessity rather than an option because I was raised in a denomination where this wasn't even even discussed, really. It wasn't even, it might have been read over, but it was never, we never stopped and tried to figure this out. 
what does this mean to us? Today. Well, in our denomination, Mm. because in the denomination I was in, it was like, well, the Holy Spirit did the work of giving the New Testament to the first apostles and the disciples. They received the New Testament and they wrote it. All we have to do is read the scriptures and believe in them. And we just have to, you know, everything was just, it had to be Bible-based. Yeah. But there wasn't, there was no, there was no coming to the point of receiving that unction. It didn't happen. Yeah. And I know it didn't happen because I lived through it. And I, they told me I had the Holy Spirit. They just told me I had the Holy Spirit. But I knew something was missing for decades mm. in my life until mm-hmm. I was in my late 30s and 40s. And I realized I didn't have what I'm reading. This yeah. wasn't here. And I, but when I started reading it with the intent of finding God, it came. Yes. I had the intent. And Jesus comes to change our intent, yeah. period. We have no more who believe. We, have, we are to have no more intent of honoring ourselves. Yeah. The intent is to honor the Father, and that's what it said. You acknowledge the Father and the Son. That's the Spirit of Christ. Yes. But if you have the intent of honoring yourself, you have Antichrist. Yes. You're under, or you're under the influence of Antichrist, and you're not in salvation. Yes. So your denomination was: you said a certain thing, a prayer, you confessed publicly, you baptized, and then you were good to go. It you wasn't. Were, like how Jesus said, I'm sending you out. You were, Go forth. We were done as we were pressured to. Yeah. We, I felt what I thought was <coughs> conviction. Well, I wasn't convicted by, I knew I, I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. I was told I was going to hell, but I wasn't taught relationship yes. in the spirit of truth. I was not taught how to get there. I was taught that I needed to have a relationship, but I wasn't shown how yeah. to get there. And I, I, Started reading the Bible on my own in desperation to find God, and I got there. Yeah. And it wasn't in a church. Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we funnel people to church, when we funnel them to a congregation, what are we doing? Sometimes it's making them twice the sons of hell. That's so scripture. Because we're saying, be in this box, do it this way, and that's all we teach them. Then I was in a church. And they think they're okay, so that's why they're worse off. I was in a church that I wasn't shown the way. Yeah. I was told that I needed to get saved, but I wasn't shown spiritually how to arrive. Yeah. I wasn't. And that's why it's, it, we're such in a desperate hour, because there's so much darkness people can't see. And they want somebody to just tell them, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? Oh, you go to church. You go to church. <laughs> okay. But I've seen people that I've seen people truly hungry, desperate, hunger for God, and they go to church, and ten, fifteen years later, they commit suicide, yeah. and they were going to church. Yeah. Where's the, Where's the kingdom of God? Where's the kingdom of God? Yeah. Well, where it's not where it's supposed to be. Much of the church doesn't. I'm not going to say all churches and all Christians don't, but many do not know America, how to deal with the demonic forces. In America, forces. we're talking ninety-eight percent. I know. I did want to say it. Okay. It is what it is. And we, the church is sick and weak. We do not know how to deal with demonic manifestations. We don't know how to deal with what the people are coming into church that need set free of stuff. They don't want to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't it. Even understand prayer and fasting. And, and they think it's just an act that, okay, we're supposed to do that. What's the intent of it? Yeah. To get rid of the world. Yeah. To get, to get rid of the lust of the flesh. To be one with God. 
to have the power, to have the faith of Jesus to do the works of God, to do the works that need to be done yeah. in the church that aren't happening. To know people him. are people are they're honoring man so they'll show up. Yeah. So the, they'll come and we all just tell each other we're saved. Yeah. Okay, we're saved. We're we're in a congregational agreement. We're all in the kingdom yeah. of God. Really? And and we are kind of fired up because we have been still getting free of our own spirit of religion and still getting free of the system in our own life. And that's part of why he pulled us out of a church because we just couldn't get free from our own crap. And so in doing that, it's messy. But the end result is we've talked a lot about that and the system, but the the whole purpose (coughs) is to know him and make him known. To walk with him in joy and peace and hope and that this is a precious opportunity and we can hear him and feel him and taste him. That's the relationship. And that's the the unction that having Christ Jesus in us that is the kingdom of peace that overcomes the world. He said, little children, you have what in you what you need to overcome the world. The Lord the Lord sent the Comforter and the Teacher. In First John 2, I think you were in verse 24. In verse 25, it says, And this is the promise that He has promised us, even eternal life. So we have to have that unction, that promise, to know, even know God. So is it enough? Is it an option to just have that unction or not? And st- you could still believe and still make it? Well, as far as that goes, because without that anointing of Christ... You can't overcome the wicked one. Yes. It says you have it in you to overcome. Well, if you don't, you won't overcome yeah. the wicked one. And that overcoming is the course of our lives. We have to we have to do that in the course of our lives. That's not a one-off, one-time thing that yeah. happens when we get saved. Okay, you know, overcoming's by default. No, we, now we have. Now we have to walk it out. Like he told that yes. that uh, lawyer, he said, "Go do it." Yes, go forth. He didn't say, "Oh, you're good to go. You said the right thing. Yeah. You you confessed the right thing." No, he said, "Go do it." And he said many times, "Go and sin no more." Too once he healed people. Yeah. And in Revelations, if you go highlight all the times it says overcome, and that was to the churches. That was to the end time churches every day. That we was have the to duty overcome. to the churches, and yes. those aren't churches <clears throat> that represent. You know, the we get caught up in the rapture. Well, that revelation was given to the church. Mm-hmm. So the work on earth. Yeah, if there if there is a rapture, it's at the very end. Yeah, it's meeting him in the air after all that stuff. Yeah. Ha- after the seven years. After so, what we've been commissioned to do, which is all the New Testament. So Revelation is is a great book of getting refined. Yeah, and getting getting prepared in this life to live with God forever. Yes. That's what the revelation if is for. If we can't for. do it here, we are not going to get to do it there. You're we're not, not going to get to be with qualified. him. You didn't overcome. Because we'd be taking the cross in vain, in his name in vain. Exactly. There was no point for that. So It's not easy. <laughs> but yeah. it's worth it. But it's doable with the, yes. with the, the anointing. And it says, okay, you need, you need the anointing of Christ in order to overcome. And you do it first within yourself on the inside. And then on the outside, dealing with others... You have that ability to overcome. And if you don't have that unction and that, or Christ Jesus, the <coughs> anointing that we receive when we're, when we're born again and filled with the Spirit. You know, in the in person says, well, I'm, I'm maybe not filled with the Spirit. Well, start asking. Start no. asking the Lord. Let Him show you what that and, means. And don't go to somebody else. Yeah. I, I mean, you can go to somebody and pray for you yeah. if you're already seeking. 
you already have to seek. But some people want the Spirit just so <laughs> they can go demonstrate to the world they speak in tongues. Yeah. Or they can go demonstrate a gift. Well, you want a gift or you want God? Yeah. You want to be like Solomon and want, you know, want the ability, but then just yeah. go honor yourself in the end. And that was in some of the passages that we didn't read. Um, that he said, don't rejoice that you have power over demons. You rejoice that your name, name. is in the book. God knows You're you. You're in. Rejoice yeah. that God knows you because you, you have committed yourself yeah. and you're determined to the end. I'm not looking back. I'm yes. not going back to old relationships that will destroy my relationship mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. And if we don't have that unction, we won't be faithful to the end. Yeah. And we the have Bible to have says you've got to be faithful to the end. You're called chosen and faithful. Mm. Have to be faithful. And then being faithful, not going, I have faith in Jesus. I have faith. I have faith. Finding somebody wherever you go. I have faith. You got faith? No. Yeah. It's doing it. It's not it's blurting active. it. It's not a blurtation. <coughs> it's yeah. a doing in the course of your life. And we will manifest on this journey. Our junk, if we are in the journey, in the straight and narrow, moving forward in him, our junk will manifest and we have to deal with it and correctly the Lord, and get rid of it. We've been told, you know, we've been shown under the covering or under, the Lord does that because now he trusts you to yes. deal with it. He loves you like a son. This thing came up. Okay, now you have a new responsibility. Yeah. This old thing that is in you, uh-huh. it needs to go. Yeah. And guess what? It's your job to get rid of it. Yeah. I've given you the power. I've given you the word. And I've given you the intent. Or you're not my child. Yeah. So we have to have that intent. Yeah. God looks at the intent of the heart. And he'll work with you. Mm-hmm. But if we just like, you know, if I'm in it for the intent of honoring myself, well, I'm not even related to God, no matter what I say. Yeah. You, you can't make a confession that has the denial of intent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It will never change that. Let's go to First John 4 real quick. We are kind of getting fired up, aren't we? <laughs> Let the fire burn the junk. Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse what? Verse 1. First John 4, 1. Beloved, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove, test the spirits to discover whether they proceed from God. For many false prophets have gone forth into the world. By this you may know, perceive, and recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit which acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, actually has become man and has come in the flesh is of God and has God for its source. And every spirit which does not acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, but would annul, destroy, sever, disunite him, is not of God, does not proceed from him. This non-confession is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it was coming, and now it is already in the world. This is the Amplified Version. Little children, you are of God. You belong to him and have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who lives in you is greater, mightier than he who is in the world. They proceed from the world and are of the world. Therefore, it is out of the world. Its whole economy morally considered that they speak and the world listens, pays attention to them. We are children of God. Whoever is learning to know God progressively to perceive, recognize, and understand God by observation and experience and to get an ever clearer knowledge of him listens to us. And he who is not of God does not listen or pay attention to us. By this we know, recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of er error. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is springs from God. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten, born of God, and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. Can we keep going? Yeah, just read verse 8 and we'll stop. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not, never did know him, for God is love. Okay, if God is love, the opposite of love is fear. Yeah. It's not hate. I mean, not specifically, it's fear. Yeah. Hate is a fruit of fear. Mm. So there's no fear in God. If we know God, fear is being cast out. Mm -hmm. And if we have the love of God, what else is being taken out of us? Competition. Mm-hmm. Those in the world are those in competition seeking the honor of man, honor of themselves, or the honor of somebody else to get something. There's an exchange. The lust of the flesh, there's an exchange. Mm-hmm. People, people treat each other as property. Mm-hmm. How can that person benefit me today? If I relate to him, then I need to get something out of that. Yeah. And that's not the love of God. And that's how God's children are different from the world. Yeah. That's the distinction. And we who believe, who have come in, we're given the tools to overcome and make it. So, again, we're without excuse. Are we going to go, like Jesus said, or are we just going to go, well, that was a nice word. I That was a great word. You should have heard that word. But don't do anything. Don't change. Great words without action is boring. And did. Well, I guess that concludes this episode of our Sunday conversation. Thanks for listening. And we'll plan on doing this next week. Goodbye. God bless.